bring me shelter. I will not harm you. Bring me shelter, please. Bring me shelter. I will not harm you. I would shelter you. People would do anything for their families. It could happen to anyone anytime. Somebody in France, somebody in England basically sat down with a ruler and just drew lines on maps. There are many different ethnic and religious groups that have been divided across borders, and this has caused a significant amount of conflict. There are a lot of people who need safety. It is really cruel for a country like Australia to have policies that are focused only on pushing people away. What we're seeing is a number of people that remain in a state of limbo. And when non-sustainable land use combines with climate change, the crisis of refugees. I wasn't able to go and play with children. I had to go and really be an adult from a very young age. I think that's something that a lot of migrant children can relate to. Really, it was a dream for me to reunite with my family. I was just praying and hoping that that day will come one day. I think it's very important for people to understand that people have their own dreams as well and they're wanting to change the world with everybody else. Refugee Radio, 855 AM, 3CR. Good day and welcome to Refugee Radio. I'm your host, Celine Yap, and today I will be playing for you a speech given by Nero Kandasami from the Tamil Refugee Council. This speech was given at the Refugee Action Collective's public meeting, The Hidden Hell for Refugees in the Heart of Melbourne, on the 5th of August. Nero is a PhD candidate at the University of Melbourne in the School of Historical and Philosophical Studies. Her dissertation explores the long-term resettlement experiences of Sri Lankan Tamils who arrived to Australia during the late 20th century. She uses oral histories of Tamils living in Sydney and Melbourne and archival materials collected in Australia and Sri Lanka to explore the interplay of war, memory and resettlement. Thank you everyone for being here. Um, I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we meet today and pay my respects to their elders past and present. Um, my name is Nero and I'm here from the Tamil Refugee Council. Um, at the Tamil Refugee Council we do a range of advocacy work for refugees who are not only detained um, but also released in the community. We do a lot of um, community campaigns around awareness raising. Um, we write a lot of uh, submissions to the government. We also recently just launched a book uh, by Ben Hillier called Losing Sambia, which I think we have a few copies of here as well. Uh, but I want to today actually speak about the specific politics of being a Tamil refugee who is indefinitely detained in detention. It's not so much that I want to bring a human face to this issue, I actually want to highlight that there are specific issues that we need to think about um, that go beyond humanizing the story. Okay, So I'll begin by portraying a bit of a background um, uh, of the civil war in Sri Lanka that has led uh, to the forced migration of thousands of Tamil refugees, particularly after the end of the civil war in 2009. Um, then I'll go ahead and speak a little bit about Australia's relationship with Sri Lanka, which is quite important in this issue, and then highlight some cases of Tamils indefinitely detained um, in detention centres here in Australia. So we know that many thousands of Ulam Tamils, so Tamils from Sri Lanka, 
have arrived by boat after the Sri Lankan government committed the large-scale offensive acts of genocide um, in 2009, murdering tens of thousands on the beaches of Mulibaikal in the northeast of Sri Lanka and destroying the LTTE's de facto state, the LTTE being Liberation Tigers of Tamil Ulam. In the absence of the LTTE, a structural genocide continues to this day with international assistance. Even the Australian-funded International Crisis Group notes, and I quote, with the massive number of troops in the north come various forms of signalization. The almost entirely Tamil-speaking north is now dotted with single signboards, streets, newly renamed in Sinhalese, um, monuments to single war heroes, and even a war museum, and battlefields that are only open to Sinhalese people. So single fishermen and businessmen are regularly given advantage in taking over Tamil-occupied areas. So these developments are a consistent strategy as part of the Sri Lankan government's post-war um, <coughs> ideas of peace and reconciliation, or so-called peace and reconcil reconciliation, I should say, um, to the extent that it makes it very difficult for Tamils to live their life um, in meaningful ways. <coughs> so the heavy militarized uh, presence and absence of the LTT also allows other widespread abuses in Sri Lanka. The UN Special Rapporteur Ben Emerson, who visited Sri Lanka in 2017, concluded that, and I quote again, all of the evidence points to the conclusion that the use of torture has been and remains today endemic and routine by the government forces who are stationed in the north and the east. He said the Tamil community bears, and I quote again, the brunt of the state's well-oiled torture apparatus, unquote. So I want to now highlight Australia's relationship with the Sri Lankan government. Australia's role spans from supporting the government of Sri Lanka diplomatically and militarily, on the one hand carrying out a, com a campaign to cut funds and support from the Tamil diaspora to the LTTE and the people of LTTE-controlled areas on the other. So Australia has criminalised the provision of finances to the LTTE, as we know, um, highlighted in 2005 in a couple of cases. And despite having directly and indirectly con contributed to the creation of this ref refugee situation, the Australian government has also begun to take measures to prevent Tamil refugees from, from fleeing the Sri Lankan government. It's also noteworthy that the government has donated naval vessels and finances to the government of Sri Lanka to prevent asylum seekers from coming here, including having Australian Federal Police permanently stationed in Colombo. So we know that Australia has a particularly close relationship with the Sri Lankan government. Um, as recent as 2013, Prime Minister Tony Abbott said that, and I quote, sometimes in difficult circumstances, difficult things happen, mm. So in April 2010, the Australian government stopped processing all asylum claims of uh, Sri Lankan citizens, along with Afghan citizens. The hope was that the UNHCR would change their advice on providing protections to Tamils so that the government could deny their claims. In October 2012, the Australian government introduced the so-called enhancing screening process, which at the time applied only to Sri Lankan citizens. Under this policy, Australian authorities boarded vessels on the high seas and pushed people through an extremely short and unfair process in order to send as many as they, as they could straight back into the hands of the Sri Lankan government. In September 2013, it began Operation Sovereign Borders, forcibly returning all boats approaching um, Australia. 
we know that uh, approximately 55 Tamil refugees um, who were detained have been um, have have had AGO measures uh, against them after having been found to meet the then Australian standard to be granted refugee status. All of these persons were assessed by ASIO and were found to be security threats. So this as well has enabled the government to deny them permanent protection visas. It also meant that they were put in detention. Whilst all of these initial negative security assessments were later revised, some have ended up spending years of their lives in detention. The reasons for the detention of the ASIO refugees were never specifically told. But general reasons were things such as immediate or family links to the LTT or political views. However, after being released from detention and now reapplying for refugee status, some of those people were rejected in, and I quote again, recognition that 75% of the northern and eastern province were controlled by the LTT for many decades, making most of those areas having some involvement with the LTT, unquote. While most of these Tamil refugees have been released, there remain at least five Tamils who have been detained for almost 10 years. I just want to move on by highlighting a couple of cases of Tamil families um, and individuals, some of whom you may be quite familiar with. So the Bilawella family, Priyana Des and her family, have been detained in a Melbourne detention centre. They've lost all of their appeals. One of the daughters, Tharunika, has actually had her case taken up by the UN because the Australian government has essentially failed to address her case. They haven't been uh, deported back to Sri Lanka, partly because there's a technical argument in her case, but partly because of community pressure. The second case is a Tamil man diagnosed with leukemia who has been in detention since 2009. Another case, Prem, in Sydney, in a detention centre, is legally blind and has been in detention for 10 years. The minister has almost unlimited powers to detain non-citizens, even though this is against the Australian government, who says that it still upholds those values. We believe a united Tamil Ford voice would be powerful in this case. I also want to end um, on a slightly more positive note by highlighting that these are people with aspirations, desires, and life goals. The case I want to highlight is Nigevin, um, who you, some of you might be familiar with. Um, Nigelan was one of the 55 ASIO refugees who I just previous, previously mentioned. Uh, because of the negative ASIO assessment, he had spent six years of his life in detention for no crime. Now that he has been released, um, he's become the head chef at Tamil Feast in Brunswick. The restaurant has been featured on ABC's Gardening Australia and SBS Food Safari. I'd like to conclude by reinforcing that resistance to oppressive regimes of incarceration of refugees by the Australian government such as this initiative today, must work from all different angles. As Beirut Bhutani in his book, uh, No Friend But the Mountain States, this is a regime that has infiltrated every single aspect of these people's lives. What we are facing is not only a national policy crisis around people indefinitely detained, it's also a geopolitical uh, perspective that we need to take in more seriously. We need to consider that these are relationships that our government is having with other countries concerned. So it's not only about looking at detained refugees, it's also about looking at the broader picture in which these regimes operate. And that means looking at the governmental relationships, um, as well as the implications of these geopolitical relations on people's lives. Thank you.
thank you so much, Miro. Um, that was really fantastic. I did just want to quickly, before um, before we go to questions, wanted to make some announcement, but to also read this message. It's just um, on my phone. That Abdulaziz's uncle sent to us, um, and people remember that Abdulaziz is a young man who died in Mitre Detention Centre a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I think this is a really important message about, and a, and a reminder of why, you know, why we come to these meetings, why we come to the rallies, why we organise the rallies, um, and why we're fighting to, to end this detention regime. Um, so he sent this to Chris and it says, Sir, I am the uncle of Abdulaziz and I would like to thank you and other friends who joined in the protest against inhumane treatment of refugees. Let my nephew's death be the foundation of struggle to end such a treatment. I am proud of you. I think it's a, it's a very important thing to remember um, why we're here and why we're fighting. Um, and on that note, we have a rally coming up on the weekend. It's actually a, um, a story time reading um, outside Mitre Detention Centre. Um, it's been organised for teachers, for refugees, uh, grandmothers Against Detention and Mothers for Refugees and you've all got a leaflet in front of you. Really encourage you to come if you can. Everyone's, there will be stories but adults are welcome as well. Um, and yeah, it's MITRE, people will know I'm sure, it's accessible by, by public transport but on the Facebook page which you can also find, um, you'll be able to organise some carpool. Um, the other thing is we have a, another forum coming up that's also in front of you um, in September. Uh, and we've got refugees from Nauru and Manus who are in Australia now, thanks to the refugee campaign, thanks to their struggle on, on Manus and Nauru, um, and are going to be uh, speaking out about the offshore camps. Um, and the last thing to say uh, on that is that we've also got a rally planned on the 23rd of November uh, to fight for Medivac, and that's just, that's just before the bill to repeal Medivac goes before uh, the Senate. So that's a really important rally. It's the 23rd of November, it's up on Facebook. You are listening to Refugee Radio. Um, I'm your host, Celine Yap. Uh, you have just been listening to a recording um, of a meeting run by the Refugee Action Collective, the hidden hell for refugees in the heart of Melbourne, um, and this was held on the 5th of August. And as part of that, uh, you heard a speech by Nero Kandasamy from the Tamil Refugee Council. Um, there is another public meeting going to be held on the 2nd of September at 6.30 p.m. Um, this one is called Nauru and Manas Refugees Speak Out, the case to close the camps. Speakers will include Bethlehem, um, an Nauru detention survivor and activist for Never Again. Bethlehem is the first refugee now in Australia after spending years detained on Nauru to speak publicly about her imprisonment and torture at the hands of the Australian government. She will be joined by Kave, an asylum seeker on Manus Island, live via Skype from Manus Prison. There is also a rally on the 23rd of November. Um, the rally is called Save Medivac, Save Refugee Lives, Bring Them Here. Uh, it, it will be at the State Library at 2 p.m. on November 23. Uh, if you would like um, to see all this information um, and check up on dates and things like that, please check out the RAC website. It's www.rac.vic.org. That's rac-vic.org. Um, they will have a list of events and any um, public meetings will be listed there and you can go and attend and have your voice heard. 
Uh, thank you for listening to Refugee Radio. Please stay tuned for the Latin American update. been in the making a quarter century, but it's here now, it's here now, if by the time you hear this album, I'm not here, you'll know why.
your orders You're fighting fire with fire I'm fighting fire with water when they kill me I know I'll die with a focused mind Plus there'll be millions of me ready to multiply Don't just mention, acknowledge me Remember to honour me My pen and its honesty Defended equality Declared a republic And ended your monarchy Your corporate dictatorship pretends it's democracy I hold your bloodline Accountable for every crime Adam Smith to Rothschild It's all been a clever lie Two choices now Revolution or genocide But thanks to Rupert Murdoch Neither one will be televised This album has been in the making A quarter century Born to bless the beat And rap over recorded melody I knew the truth Since I was a small little boy I am a product of the system I was born to destroy You can't believe I saw them cheat people And they have to protect And them are beat people I've been the son of system For the street people Can't believe them are delayed ECR are selling kefir Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. Red alert. Numbers are needed at the Japurung Heritage Protection Embassy camps immediately. Sacred birthing trees on Japurung country need protecting. Over 50 generations have been born on these sites and the birthing trees themselves are 800 years old. These trees are being protected from the Victorian Labor Party's planned highway extension that is set to destroy this sacred dreaming landscape. The cops are coming with eviction orders very soon. The campaign to protect country is led by Japurung traditional owners who are calling on people from all walks of life for support. You can help by joining traditional owners at the camp on Japurung country near Ararat or by donating and putting pressure on Daniel Andrews to protect this sacred land. Visit dwembassy.com for more information and updates. No trees, no treaty. I don't know how I am or how I came to be or how you appeared on this planet here with me out of reach but very close like a moon your light arose while your music reached my ears how your sound
but I know how love arrives quietly out of nowhere to settle on our lives. How are you? We always ask to answer that. Simple task. Why your music reached my ears? How your sadness brings my tears. Why your music reached my ears? How your sadness brings my tears. Shower at the midnight hour. Secret train, will it come again? These birds sing, yes. And I do confess that is my hope. These birds cope, what can I? I look for news that seeks the blues to give me hope, a rescue rope. Some safety sand to bring an end of canopy. The time to flee and fly. Give me the day, birds ask and pray. When humans change, rearrange the heart and mind to be mankind and not man for all aroma pool. Birds cry and I reply to birds so free, not needing proof of who I am. No name, no address, but liberty. Without them as I yell, I am free. The time is up, the time to do or die. The time is up, the time to do or die. The time is up, the time to do or die. The time is up, the time to do or die. Global Intifada, bringing you current affairs through revolutionary and protest music from around the world. Every Thursday afternoon from 5 till 6 on 3CR. Because music is our bomb. Goa Day Fiesta is on again on the 24th of August at St. Louis de Montfort Hall in Aspendale. Now in its 17th year, the World Goa Day Fiesta celebrates the rich Goan culture with live bands and a delicious buffet spread. All welcome. Tickets are $50 per adult, $25 for children between ages 5 and 10, and $45 for pensioners. Call or SMS Oscar on 0404 848 345. That's 0404-848-345. The World Goa Day Fiesta is a 3CR supporter. <laughs> 